Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. be with you. Let us pray. O God, 
who declarest thy almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity, mercifully grant unto us such a measure of thy grace that we, running to obtain thy promises, may be made partakers of thy heavenly treasure. <clears throat> Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Numbers. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the flesh we ate in Egypt for nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, every man at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, Why hast thou dealt ill with thy servant, and why have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou dost lay the burden of all this people upon me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I bring them forth, that should he say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries the suckling child to the land which thou didst swear to give their fathers. Where am I to go get meat to give all these people? For the wheat before me and say, Give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If thou wilt deal thus with me, kill me at once. If I find favor in the sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. And the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people, and officers for them, and bring them to the tent of the meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered seventy men of the elders of the people, and placed them round about the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and took some of the spirit that was upon him, and put it upon the seventy elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but they did say no more. Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested upon them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, and so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua the son of Nun, the minister of Moses, one of his chosen men said, My Lord, Moses forbid them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. The word of the Lord.
reading from James. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick man and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power in its effects. Elijah was a man of like nature with ourselves and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth its fruit. My brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The word of the Lord. <laughs> be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Saint Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon after to speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the sick man, and the Lord will raise him up. If he hath committed sins, he shall be forgiven. On Friday evening, October the 14th, 2011, my wife Catherine crumpled into a ball on the floor, writhing in pain without cause or without warning. We didn't know what to make of the event, if it was serious or not, so we made the decision to continue on with our plans for the next day, traveling to Starkville to watch the Bulldogs play the South Carolina Gamecocks. While at the game, again she crumpled, unable to stand or speak. So gathering our children, I rushed us to the car, headed home towards Laurel and to the doctor. In the car, this happened three more times. Catherine spent several days in the hospital, hooked up to machinery, and it was determined or diagnosed that she had epilepsy. Several seizures recorded, and she began anti-seizure medication. Unfortunately, the medicine did little good. Numerous seizures continued during the month. New medicines were tried, new medicines failed. Combinations of medicines were tried, combinations of medicines failed. Now the anti-seizure medications themselves had a tremendous and terrible side effect, rendering Catherine almost unable to function normally. She had to resign her employment, could no longer drive, and the day-to-day -day duties of a mother and a wife became great acts of valor in her medicated and seizing state. After four or five failed attempts with different medications, Catherine was sent to or referred to the epilepsy clinic at the University Medical Center in Jackson. There she spent a week hooked up to machines and stayed under constant video monitoring in the effort to pinpoint the exact part of her brain causing seizures. The head neurologist recommended for Catherine a temporal lobectomy to treat the seizures. That is to say, after failing so many medicines, he felt her only real course of treatment was to remove the offending part of her brain, a part about the size of a baseball, in the hopes of stopping these seizures. Scared, we got a second opinion at the University of Alabama in Birmingham's epilepsy clinic and the doctors there said very much the same thing. Catherine's only real course of action was surgery. Throughout the following weeks and months, things did not get better. Seizures, weekly, monthly, daily. The harsh effects of the medications crippling her. It was an extremely discouraging time in our life. One of the few bright spots in these months, I will say this stronger, the only bright spot in these months, the only thing that held our family together during this time 
was this parish. The love, the food, the rides, helping us to make ends meet, and more than any of that, the love and prayers of you all, our family. Without you, we would have been lost indeed. Fast forward a bit, four days before our youth group, our EYC, was to leave for our much-anticipated trip pilgrimage to Santiago, the youth group Catherine leads one of the few things she stubbornly refused to put down during this crippling time. Catherine had a medicine-induced breakdown. I'd come home for lunch to find her in a very bad way, very hypermanic, shaking like she had Parkinson's disease, rapidly repeating her words and unable to finish her sentences, uncontrollably scratching her head and running around in circles in the attempt to control her body. The seizure medicine had fried the circuitry in her brain. So we rushed her to the hospital. She was given a heavy sedative and the doctor in charge of her care worked tirelessly to rid her body of the seizure medicine. She spent two days in the hospital before the levels of medicine were down to a tolerable level. Now, to the shock of some, to the horror and disbelief of others, the doctor had a talk with Catherine and decided it would be best if she went ahead and went on the pilgrimage. And to tell the truth, his decision disturbed me deeply. I could not fathom, I could not believe that after all the trauma she had just been through and in the condition she was, he recommended she get on a plane, fly halfway across the world, and walk 85 miles. His only real directive was that I say a prayer for him at the tomb of St. James. And so, all 26 of us, we all set out the day after Catherine was released from the hospital. What I now share with you is my experience alone of our pilgrimage, not anyone else's. The words I speak are mine, not anyone else's. The perspective unique to me and a thing I have not shared with many. So we get to Spain and arrive in Madrid. I was overwrought, my soul crushed with worry. I was utterly and completely exhausted. I couldn't sleep despite my best efforts in two Advil PMs. So just before 4 o'clock in the morning, I got out of bed got dressed and wandered the streets of Madrid alone. Among, I remember, the drunkards and the prostitutes, searching for a church or someplace to offer a prayer, to beg God for mercy. Finding none, I wandered around in a sleepy haze, every breath a prayer that I had not made the worst decision in my entire life. Now, the next few days were a blur of tourism, cathedrals, palaces, museums, bus rides, walks. At one point, I almost broke down from it all myself. The worry over my wife, my children separated from us by half the, or by the Atlantic Ocean, my own exhaustion, and being ultimately responsible for 26 souls. On the day we started our walk, I hadn't slept but four of the last 48 hours. I was not filled with the exhilaration and awe and wonder as was most of our group. Rather, worry overwhelmed me. 
With every step, I could only offer the ancient prayer of the Orthodox Christians. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The first day's walk brought with it some sense of peace, but at a cost. I began to develop huge blisters under the ball pads of my feet, and that night only got three hours of sleep. Adding to my already existing worry, several members of our group developed stomach flu. They could not continue on, so early in the morning plans had to be made, and our trust in strangers and in a strange land had to increase substantially. Throughout the second day's journey, I prayed as I walked, and walked as I prayed. Each step, the blisters getting larger, the exhaustion weighing more heavily. That night, others fell sick to the stomach flu, including Catherine. Already about spent with worry about her condition, it doubled. Again, sleep evaded me. I spent the nighttime hours caring for her and trying to care for the others who were sick. So that third day, I stumbled blindly down the Camino, feet bleeding, exhausted, separated through sickness from my wife and many in the group, only three things keeping me going. A sense of duty and responsibility to the group, a dear friend who refused to leave me behind, and a vow to God that I would make the pilgrimage. That night brought new difficulties of its own. I began to shiver uncontrollably from lack of sleep, exhaustion, and the pain of walking on damaged feet. The last and final day found me barely able to stand. The pain in my feet causing, or the, the damage to my feet causing searing pain and waves of nausea to shoot through my body with every step. Although the temperature was in the mid-50s, by the end of the first mile I was drenched with sweat from the pains of walking. Twice that morning I'd vomited from the pain, and at one point I sat down determined to quit. Even though we were less than five miles from the cathedral, a short walk, a stroll, if you will, from finishing, I could not take one more step. Two dear friends this time refused to leave my side. If I was not to finish, neither were they. So not wanting to disappoint them, I summoned up every single ounce of courage and will I had within me, and I hobbled to the cathedral. Every step searing pain, Every step, something inside screaming, stop! Something screaming, it's not worth it, quit! We arrived at the cathedral to a great crowd, and that was all a blur to me. Seems like immediately we were swept into the pilgrim's mass, of which I remember nothing other than the giant swinging thurible. After the pilgrim's mass, we did what we'd come to do. We stood in line to visit the tomb of the great and holy James. There were hundreds in line with us. It felt more like a ride at Disney World than waiting to see one of the apostles. We moved with the line, and in a flash we were down the steps in the tomb. We hurriedly said prayers, and just as quickly we were out the other side. There were no fireworks. There were no angelic choirs. There were no lightning bolts. There was no objective certainty to be had. I was disappointed by the visit to the tomb after so much. 
It seemed, in some ways, ordinary. Not at all life-changing, rushed and forced. So after our own private mass later that afternoon, I took the free time and hobbled back to St. James's tomb, hoping for silence and a quiet moment at the tomb of a man who had once walked and ministered with our Lord. But I found the exact same thing I found the first time. Hundreds and hundreds of people hoping and praying to catch a glimpse of the tomb of this great saint. Hundreds and hundreds of people with hundreds and hundreds of prayers and intentions, all hoping for the same as I. A moment alone with James, which none of us would be granted. Taking my turn, knelt before James. I prayed first for this parish. I prayed that my wife Catherine would be healed. I prayed for folks by name who had asked me to pray for them. And of course, I said a prayer for the pious doctor. And with that, I pushed through with the line. I felt a peace that, that afternoon, a reverence. I felt the holiness of that place but no fireworks, no blinding light, no objective certainty as to the future of anything. But I had done what I said I would do. I led the group, I made the pilgrimage, I offered to God my prayers, I asked the great Saint James to pray for my intentions. We made it home safely in a mere two weeks after returning from pilgrimage, Catherine had a pre-scheduled week-long test at the University of Alabama, uh, Alabama and Birmingham's epilepsy clinic to continue on toward surgery. During that week, she was taken completely off seizure medication. She was sleep-deprived. She was subjected to visual and audio stimulation. The doctors did every single thing they could to induce a seizure and nothing happened. Despite their best efforts to produce seizures and map them for surgery, nothing happened. Catherine, who had been averaging seizures weekly and monthly for the better part of a year, has not had a single seizure since returning from Santiago, since visiting the tomb of the great and the noble saint. Her medicines have been more than cut in half, no seizures. Although she's still under the care of the pious doctor and still has some issues with which to contend, she has been free of seizures since our pilgrimage. So I humbly stand before you today declaring that there are places in this world that are holy, that are, in terms of faith, extraordinary. I stand before you today with the proposition that there are people, both living and dead, who possess a faith that is extraordinary, that possess a holiness few will ever attain in this world. And in these places and through these people, I declare to you God acts in extraordinary ways. Perhaps not in manners producing lightning bolts, blinding lights, fireworks, or overwhelming feelings of abjective certainty or emotion. But God acts in extraordinary ways. 
I stand before you with one final proposition. Prayer, holiness, these are the most important things in our lives. The love, the prayers, the friendships, and the concerns of a parish family give us life. These things save us. These things heal us. These things make us whole. These things give us wisdom and understanding. These things give us a peace that passes all understanding. They invite God to act through us in body and in place in extraordinary ways. In ways that defy human logic, human reason, human understanding. In ways that are a mystery and yet real. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, do not discount the power of prayer and the power of holy places and holy people. Do not make light of the parish family. It is central and essential to our lives. Do not make light of what we do and what we are about. Do not discredit holy places and holy things. Rather, with all your might, Learn to pray without ceasing. Learn to make your life one of holiness. Hold fast with every fiber of your being to the fact that these things connect you to God. These things save your soul. These things save the souls of others. Be people of prayer. Be people of holiness. Let us pray together, you and I, that in our lives, in the life of this parish, our Lord will continue to work in extraordinary ways to save us, to heal us, to save all, to heal all who come in search of Him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Continuing standing, let us affirm our faith in God and in His Holy Church. We believe in one God,
Kneeling, let us pray. With all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above, for the loving kindness of God, and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, and for the unity of all peoples, let us pray to the Lord. For Duncan, our bishop, Jeffrey, our priest, and for all the clergy and people, let us pray to the Lord. For Barack, our president, for the leaders of the nations, and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. For the city of Laurel, Jones County, and for every city and community, and for those who live in them, let us pray to the Lord. For the good earth which God has given us, and for the wisdom and will to conserve it, let us pray to the Lord. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, and for the sick and the suffering, especially Erica Adams, Alfredo Adam, Kay Anderson, John Barnett, Huey Blackledge, Suzanne Boyd, Beth Boykin, James Ray Bush, Luca Soraldo, Mary Craft, Sylvia Ellis, Ethan Estes, Ken Jordan, John Robert Sims, Linda Fontenot, R.A. Gallagher, Michelle Gibson, Billy Hankins, Bill Hersom, John Jeffries, Leroy Jensen, Lynn Jenkins Lindsay, Pat Killen, Mary Lou Lott, Della McAllister, Cameron McLaurin, Nita McRae, Jean Miller, Mike Mink, Deborah Nichols, Chris Peavy, Whitney Pickering, Yarbrough Piper, Jenny Lou Kwong, Ashley Rogers, Mary Rutledge, Dan Scott, Doyle Scott, Danny Shouse, Aline Sims, Don Smith, Ella Smith, Wendy Sneed, Carolyn Ruth Stancil, Tony Stiles, Joyce Thames, Martha Jane Tyler, Susan Verrett, Mary Wade, Shirley Waldrop, Donham and Milton Wheeler, Earlene Wright, and Lisa Rorell. Let us pray to the Lord. For your handmaids with child, especially Elizabeth Hancock, and for those celebrating birthdays week, especially Elaine Etheridge, Amelia Anderson Guard, Jean Holyfield, Warren Holliday, Leslie Howard, and Cindy McCoy, Rand McLaughlin, John Milham, and Sarah Wells. Also, for those celebrating anniversaries this week, especially George and Becky Jackson, and Keith and Hermione Rushing, let us pray to the Lord. For the protection of the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad, especially John Asbell, Louisa Balthazard, Chase Bradshaw, John Brewer, Michael Buther, M Michael Cahill, Mark Carter, Melissa Kleckler, Stan Harris, Jay Holloway, Scott Howell, Eric Jamella, Walton Lucky, Calvin Powell, 
Harold Russell, Michael Thomas, Joe Benson, James Warner, Mark Waters, and Wild Welch. Let us pray to the Lord. <clears throat> for the poor and oppressed, <clears throat> for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. For all who have died, especially Lily Hill, Jan Rose Cran, in the hope of the resurrection and for all the departed, let us pray to the Lord. For deliverance from all danger, violence, oppression, and degradation, let us pray to the Lord. For the absolution and remission of our sins of offenses, let us pray to the Lord. That we may end our lives in faith and hope without suffering and without reproach, let us pray to the Lord. Defend us, deliver us, and in thy compassion protect us, O Lord, by thy grace. In the communion of St. John and all the saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God. Equip us, O God, for the spiritual conflict with thine own armor, with the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the helmet of salvation, the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, that we may be able to stand in the evil day. And grant that, having our feet shod with the gospel of peace, we may be able to maintain our ground unflinching to the end, through the might of Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you, and also with you. I'll tell you, listen down. Peace, Troy.
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to St. John's on this last Sunday in September. Uh, it's a rainy, messy Sunday, so I applaud you all for, for making the effort uh, in coming to church this morning, uh, especially those who may be visitor, visitors among us. Uh, the schedule for the rest of, the, of this day, uh, at 5 o'clock, we will celebrate the solemnity of St. Michael and all angels, or uh, as we know it uh, in, in Anglicanism as Michaelness. We'll have an even song and benediction at 5 p.m. And uh, Carolyn Ruth Stancil did an interpretive uh, floral design for St. Michael. So uh, we have St. Michael in flowers today. So uh, be sure to, to uh, thank her or, or uh, just enjoy them if, if nothing else. Uh, 6 p.m. we'll continue with the EYC and then we'll have a, a sort of normal regular week th this week around the parish. Uh, I will ask you to save the date. Uh, Saturday, October the 6th. At 9.30 in the morning, we will have the blessing of the animals uh, on the greensward out here. And then uh, our St. John's annual wine tasting and silent auction is coming up. Tickets are on sale now. The vestry is selling them, and also they're on sale in the, uh, in the parish office. So go ahead and get those and uh, get your friends to buy them. Uh, and I think that's all that's really uh, pressing. So again, everyone, uh, welcome today. Ascribe to the Lord the honor to his name. Bring offerings and come into his courts.
All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. The holy sacrifice of this Eucharist is offered to the greater glory of God and thanksgiving for his many, many blessings upon our lives. Giving thanks especially this day for St. John's Parish, for her family. We pray that God may continue to bless us with his graces. We offer special intentions, intentions for parish churches throughout this world that they may be fostering places of love and of salvation. And may the souls of all the faithfully departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen.
Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, May the peace of God which passeth all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you now and remain with you always. Amen. The Lord be with you. The Mass is ended. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord.